1: Now it's time to talk about Hillary. Our Joan Walsh interviewed her last week. Joan, of course, is National Affairs Correspondent for the Nation and a frequent guest here, as well as a political analyst for MSNBC. She also wrote the book, What's the Matter with White People? Finding Our Way in the Next America. We reached her today in New York City. Joan, welcome back.
0: Thanks for having me, John.
1: Well, Hillary has been doing interviews about her new book, What Happened. What was it like for you to sit down with her last week?
0: You know, it was very surreal because you sit down with her and you look at her and you think, you are our president, except she's not. Um, and that experience is, is more affecting and, for me, even traumatic than you would think. I mean, I endorsed her in the pages of The Nation. Everyone knows that. Um, My daughter worked for her in five states over 2016. So, you know, people know that I actually respect her and thought she would be a great president. But there's something about being in her presence that is very sobering and... Um, I don't want to say upsetting because that's a little bit extreme, but it, 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 it stayed with me for days.
1: Well, we have some clips that you have provided of your conversation with her. The first one, you talk with her about writing the book and going on the book tour. Let's listen.
2: I'll tell you what feels therapeutic because the book writing was cathartic. That was absolutely the best thing I could have done for myself. But I feel like I'm somewhat of the therapist in chief at these book signing I know. and We're talking other about events. It. The it, crying people. So many crying people, so many heartfelt comments about how they feel and what they care about and are worried about. Uh, and it's both very uh, heartening because people are still sorting it through and feeling deeply about what they want for the country, and it is uh, emotionally draining because I see all this angst and pain uh, that people are still going through.
1: So many crying people. That's Hillary speaking with Joan Walsh of The Nation in New York last week. Joan, you brought up in that conversation part of her book, What Happened, that I had not seen quoted, where she talks about what uh, Bernie proved. Could you just remind us about that part?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this in the Nation um, before the interview because I thought it was so important, and it was really ignored, basically. And I guess I'll I'll read it, or yes, I'll, and I'll please, try to I'll try please. to make it short. She says Bernie proved again that it's important to try to set lofty goals that pe- people can organize around and dream about, even if it takes generations to achieve them. Democrats should redouble our efforts to develop bold, creative ideas that offer broad-based benefits for the whole country.
1: In the context of what Bernie proved, you asked where she stands today on Medicare for All. Of course, Bernie introduced the Medicare for All bill in the Senate uh, a couple of weeks ago. Let's listen to her answer about where she stands today on Medicare for All.
2: You know what? Medicare right now is... A great program that works for people above 65, many of whom have additional private coverage. Right. So it is not a single payer system. For it itself is. Right. But, but for the over 65, a very big percentage does not just rely on that. Right. Um, you have fifty percent plus people who get their health care from their employers. Uh, you know how do we move from that? And there was a fascinating comparison that I saw recently among about, I think, eight or 10 countries that have a combination of of single and multiple payer, but get to universal coverage and produce quality care at a lower cost than we do. Right. So whether it's Canada or Britain or France or Germany or Switzerland, I mean, there's a lot of different models out there. And my goal and my banner is quality, affordable health care for all. And that's where I'm taking my stand, and I'm going to be a responsible, passionate advocate within that debate. But your position in the campaign was people could buy into Medicare at post-55? Yes. We we would start at 60 and then go down to 55. We'd have a public option in every state, I mean, basically. So it's the beginning. Yes. And you know, and we would have a... um, a, maybe a potential for Medicaid buy-in. I mean, there would be lots of different ways. We, What I don't want, and maybe we've missed this um, attack, although they will come back on the Republican side, right. is for people to discount how hard it was to get the Affordable Care Act passed. Of course it was a compromise. I mean, that's what a democracy does to make big change in right. most instances. But what I worried about is saying, okay, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what happened. We were at 90% coverage. Yeah. You know, 90 to 100 is 10. That's a lot easier than zero to 100. And so uh, I think we're in a good position to defend the Affordable Care Act, but we have to be really vigilant. And that vigilance requires everybody on the Democratic side being, you know, united in saying you're not going to take it away.
1: That's Hillary speaking with Joan Walsh. Uh, So, Joan, where does she stand on Medicare for all? It sounds like she's not really for it.
0: I, I had the same reaction. Um, you know, I don't think she's for it, honestly, or I think she's for it as a down the road, uh, you know, possibility, uh, and that—that that is who she is. I mean, part of me was a little disappointed in that answer, but part of me also knows that nobody has really laid out you know, a, a totally convincing and walkable road to Medicare all. So it's kind of, you know, it, it, it it's kind of what she's like, you know, she's, she's very pragmatic, even as I think she's willing to praise people who are going to go past her on the left, because, you know, throughout our history, John, as you know, people like her have needed people to their left. But I think she's being a little evasive about it. And, you know, this was always, I endorsed her, but I always thought this was a little bit of a problem with her. She's more of an incrementalist than I am.
1: One of the most damaging things to her during the campaign, which really hurt her with young people, especially young uh, black voters, was all the attention to the speech she gave back in the 80s about super predators. Tell us how you brought that up, and then we'll listen to her answer.
0: Well, I brought it up gently um, because I know that it's a sore subject. It's a sore subject in the book. She feels, uh, you know, she she apologized for it during the campaign for that one one time, and it's only one time that she used the term super predators. She explained what she was talking about, which wasn't uh, which wasn't racial, um, but I, you know, she understands and I, I do too why people took it that way. Uh, but she also is kind of aggrieved and maybe rightly so that people who voted for the crime bill that she was talking about like Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden uh, and many many others uh, including most of the Congressional Black Caucus were not dragged for their you know for their vote the way she was dragged for that one word she won black millennials. let's not make any mistake but she didn't turn them out the way she should have or could have um, or might have wanted to. And so this is a really sore spot for her.
1: So let's listen to Hillary Clinton answering Joan Walsh's question about super predators.
2: I always thought that this was a deliberate, intentional misinterpretation of what my whole speech said where I went after, you know, gangs and particularly a lot of the gangs that were uh, terrorizing whole communities and we're engaging in horrific behavior right and it, it, it wasn't all of one race it wasn't all of one area it was a real problem coming out of the 80s and anybody who lived in New York or lived in another city knows that Oakland I lived in Oakland you lived in Oakland I mean this was a manufactured attack and you know we did our best to Point out that it was, you know, clearly not uh, what it was being painted as, and over and over said, yeah, you know, people voted for this, not me. Right. <laughs> I right. was talk. I was talking about, you know, the threats that uh, the people who voted for it were responding to, and uh, you know, it. We now know a lot more than we did then about how it was being manipulated.
1: And one of the biggest disappointments of her campaign was a decline in black turnout compared to four years ago, especially among younger black people, black millennials. Joan, you asked her about that. Let's listen to what she had to say about the lower turnout of black millennials.
2: Let let me say this. And and the, the best analysis that I've, seen has come from people who tried to dig into this post-election. I think the fact that President Obama wasn't on the ballot was not just uh, a a disappointment, it was a real um, kind of end point for a lot of people because I saw some focus groups after the election where young black men were asked why they didn't vote and (coughs) The most memorable answer I saw was, "Well, you know, I I voted. I voted for Obama, and my life didn't change. So why should I expect anybody else to change my life?" So it was a combination of great pride in him, and if he'd been on the ballot, I'm sure more of them would have voted. But a lot of them didn't feel like it did make much of a difference, and they—I heard that. Yeah, so we heard that. We saw that. So that was one factor. But I think it's really important not to miss the role of voter suppression. Absolutely. So we really have a hard time sorting out um, who did not want to vote and who was prevented from voting, right?
1: Hillary on Black Millennials Not Voting. Uh, After the tape was turned off, uh, Joan, and the two of you headed out the door, you write in The Nation about... A remarkable email that she discovered on her uh, cell phone. Tell us about that.
0: Well, we were talking, but she got out her phone the way many of us do and just, you know, checked messages. And then she saw somebody had emailed her. I saw her eyes widen and she said, wow, wow. And I asked her what she was looking at, hoping it was not Trump declaring war on North Korea. Uh, And she handed me her phone, which was actually a kind of amazing gesture. And she, she was looking at some remarks by Michelle Obama, which were basically to say that any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice in a way. To me, it doesn't say as much about Hillary Clinton. Everybody's trying to wonder, what does it mean for Hillary? No, no, no. What does it mean for us as women? And Michelle basically goes on to say, to me, that just means you don't like your own voice. She was obviously visibly moved by that. And honestly, so was I.
1: Joan Walsh, you can read her report about her interview with Hillary last week at thenation.com. Joan, thanks so much for talking with us today and thanks for bringing in those clips. Of course, John, anytime. Anytime. Take, take the food, we ridge